Blog Talk Radio. Wow. Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the very first podcast of Winchester Radio for the eighth season. Uh, welcome back, um, uh, all our live listeners. Thank you for listening uh, very, very much. Uh, we're just about to get started. We are ha- having a guest this evening, uh, Mr. Jim Michaels, and we'll get there in just a little bit. I just want to say welcome back to everybody. Uh, because we have a guest tonight, we won't be taking guest call-ins. Um, you can listen live on blogtalkradio.com. Search for uh, it's uh, Media Boulevard. Uh, you can also come back to blogtalkradio.com, Media Boulevard, and listen to us or download us later. Um, you can go to our website, winchesterbros.com, and click on the Winchester Radio icon, and it will take you right to the Blog Talk Radio site. You can always find links and information on um, our Facebook and Twitter, which is Winchester Bros. And uh, we got a fantastic season to talk about and a fantastic uh, first episode. And I uh, would about to say hello to Jim Michael. Hello, am I there? Hello, Jim. Hi. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, Jim. We're good. Can you hear me okay? Yes. You sound great. Awesome. Awesome. Loud and clear. Well, I, you know, I, I look even better. <laughs> no, we'll have to start not. doing video casts. <laughs> As they always tell me, you know, my friends always tell me, Jim, you've got a, a voice for radio and something else for porn. <laughs> Those are good friends. So yeah. I'm, 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 gl- I'm glad to get the chance to do the other one for a change. <laughs> change of pace. <laughs> change of pace. <laughs> well. And it's a heck of a way to start our podcast for the eighth season. Awesome. Let's break, <laughs> awesome. Let's break right into it. I want to break down the barriers and get it going. Let's go. <laughs> it's our first podcast of the eighth season. Maybe it'll be our last. <laughs> no, nah, it won't be the last. So we'll go out with a bang. Oh, it would be great. Um, uh, welcome to the podcast. I was just saying hello and welcome back to uh, everybody. Uh, we aren't going to take uh, call-in questions tonight because uh, we have you as a guest. Welcome to awesome. the show. You have called in a couple times before, but this is our first official talk. And uh, congratulations on the eighth season and, a for me, a fantastic first episode. Uh, you were very happy with it. Uh, the audience came. We were up, I believe it was... 14% higher uh, than our season finale last year on our first time this year. So um, we're very happy about that. Congratulations. Yeah, and also considering, you know, there was a presidential debate going on in most of the country that all the networks were covering, and, you know, uh, we didn't have our normal lead-in yet, which would be uh, Arrow, which will premiere this Wednesday coming up. So we're really excited. Uh, we had dinner with a bunch of the Arrow cast the other night with the president of the network, and uh and we had a great time. It was great to spend some time with them and wish them well and, and uh, welcome them to the uh, CW family as well. That looks like it's right. going to be a good show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It seems like a good fit for Supernatural. I, I think it really is. I think Mark Pedowitz, who uh, took the helm of the CW Network a couple of years ago, and he's a huge fan of Supernatural, thank goodness for us, and uh, <laughs> has stayed with us and you know, moved us from a Friday night uh Slot, which oftentimes they tend, most networks will tend to put you in Friday night when looking toward the 
shall I say, the, the end of your run uh, and took us from Friday and put us back on Wednesday, uh, which is great, and put us behind their new hot show, Arrow. So uh, uh, we're, we're glad for the uh, night change, and we're glad to have Arrow there leading. Yes. Shows a lot yeah, of crowd to the show. It shows a lot of confidence in the show. Oh, absolutely! No, it absolutely, it absolutely is a vote of confidence for the show. It's, a, it's a, you know, it's it, it's a great reward for all the hard work that Bob Singer's done on the show, and you know, because Bob's been with it from the start. Uh, you know, and with Eric, you know, Eric's obviously had a good run with his other show, Revolution, which also just got their back nine picked up. They're getting a full season over at NBC with Revolution. Uh, Phil Screecher mm-hmm. is actually splitting time between both shows. And uh, that's why Phil hasn't directed yet this season, but we'll, he'll direct a two two later in the year for us. But normally Phil does four or five a year for us, but this year he'll only be doing two because he's, again, splitting his time between us and Revolution. Mm. Wow. But there's a lot, of, a lot of Supernatural family directing Revolution as well. Charles Beeson's over there, Guy B's doing one, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of them. Uh, so, you know, we've got a lot of uh, cross-pollination. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mark Pellegrino. <laughs> Mark Pellegrino the has actor. been on. Absolutely. The actors. Colin Ford is coming. Yeah, well, see, you know, it's it's uh, not unusual um, uh, when things like that happen. You know, I've done, I don't know, six or seven series with Bob Singer, and we've, you know, we've used Kurt Fuller in three series before. You know, we had him in Lois and Clark. We had him in Time Cop, you know. You know, uh, Jim Beaver's done other series with us. He had a recurring part for us in Reasonable Doubts, and we haven't done Jim Beaver 20 years. So... Mm-hmm. No, we like to, you know, if, when you get people you like to work with and uh, people who will give a good, consistent performance for you, particularly whether it's an actor or a writer or producer, you know, you want to keep them around. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes uh, they get a chance to move up and get their own shows. But uh, in this case here, you know, we're glad to have somebody of them uh, back with us on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, I guess, a comfort and a trust and... And also, well, you allows, don't have to explain everything, right? Exactly. It allows you, it allows you to work with a shorthand, and uh, and that's very handy, uh, particularly in television when time is often uh, not a luxury, and when you don't have to explain uh, a lot of things, and you can just work with that shorthand, whether it's with your editors or your cinematographers, your production designers, writers, actors, um, it just makes the whole process much easier and frankly more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the process of, like, making a Supernatural episode from the beginning to the end? I know it, the filming is usually, what, eight days, but how long is the actual process for each episode from beginning to the very end? Well, I mean, obviously it's the first thing. Is, there's an old phrase called, it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. Uh, so it really starts with the exception uh, of the script. So, you know, in, in the case of we need to talk about Kevin, you know, this was, you know, being, you know, being discussed as needed immediately as Jeremy uh, was uh, came back to the show uh, to take over as showrunner and head writer with Bob the Singer, uh, so that the script itself, uh, the the idea for it was probably oh at least six weeks before we saw it, and so by the time usually we get what they call an arena, which might be a one page sort of description of where it's going. There might be two pages. Then we might get an outline after that. So even when I was actually down in uh, Rio de Janeiro um, and we got an official pickup, you know, I kind of knew where we were going. By the time I was in uh, Birmingham in Germany, I had an idea where 
the first couple of those are going to take place already. So that process mm-hmm. started, you know, while we're still doing conventions in Europe and in South America. Uh, and so when, by the time we all assembled back in Vancouver, you know, we probably had, I think, six or seven of the either scripts, uh, one version or another, waiting for us. Now, of course, a number of us, you know, had advanced copies, so I knew what we were getting ourselves into. It wasn't like I didn't see it until I walked in the office. But, uh, you know, uh, this show is particularly good at having scripts ready, which is incredibly important because it allows us to do very big things. You know, Jerry Wanick, our production designer, can um, think about, you know, designing a certain set that he knows he needs an episode, say, episode, the first one we're shooting, and say, and the fourth one we're shooting, and the seventh one, he can design it in a way that we can, we can structure that or move that around. You know, if we know we're going to have, you know, three Crowley torture chambers, we know oftentimes they're similar yet different. But, you know, we can design things in a way that, okay, we know just by pulling these two walls up and not making it circular, you know, we can bust this out and, you know, redesign another one. Um, um, and certainly, you know, there's weekly motel rooms, and we know uh, we've got a bunch of them coming. You know, we can build two or three and with the idea of just flopping and reversing them. But anyway, the process of getting the script so early is so critical to production, physical production, uh, because it just allows us to, to plan that out. And if you're getting the script the day before you start prepping it, then we have no chance to plan episode five, six, and seven. So we can uh, start planning those episodes even though we're starting to prep the first one. But the process, the official, quote, prep with the script, it usually takes about eight days before we start to shoot, eight working days. We usually get the director uh, day two. The director gets seven days of prep with us. But at that point, typically, you know, with our location department, uh, with Russ and Janet we've, and Jerry and John Marston, we've actually sort of pre-scouted a lot of locations. So when the director arrives uh, on what is his first, his or he, her first official day of prep, we've already prepped a lot of locations. So, um, and we've already scouted them, and we know pretty much what we think is going to work, and most times we're pretty much spot on. And so, we, you know, we've got so many meetings. We have a concept meeting we go through, um, and uh, on the first day, and then we hit locations, and then we start casting, and we have art department meetings. We have special effects, stunts meetings, uh, um, visual effects meetings, you know, wardrobe meetings. You have, to, you have to have prosthetic meetings because oftentimes Toby and his crew. You know, some episodes have a tremendous amount of work to do. Um, sometimes it's a little lighter. But that whole process of all that prep, you know, eight days, seven days with the director. And through that process, we're you know, constantly, you know, it's 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 a process of, of budgeting as well. Um, people talk about show business. Well, you guys all see the show, but we have to do the business part of it too. So oftentimes after we do a concept meeting day one or two in the prep, we might be $300,000 over budget. Okay, well, for first episode of the season, the studio will let us maybe go out a little bit, you know, you know, over budget on the first couple episodes because we want to hit the ground running with some really big effects and a lot of extras or lots of locations or lots of expensive locations or lots of expensive guest stars. But then down the road, we have to tighten up a little bit. So as so long as at the end we're, we're, at the, we're at the number they want us to be, we're, we're okay. But uh, um, you've got to watch that. So oftentimes, like I say, you might be three, dollars $400,000 over on day two of prep, and somehow more actually by day eight of prep, you're at the budget. You're on budget. <laughs> so sometimes, When you have to, like, account for budget, like, is there any carryover for you guys? Like, if you save on one up, does that give you a little leeway in another F so, like, maybe you can... 
kind of pad another F if you want to by making another one skinny? Well, absolutely. Well, we'll do that certainly, particularly with very expensive big sets. So, for instance, with uh, uh, Dick Roman's, uh, you know, huge, huge office complex, we spent a fortune building that, but we also will spread that out over three different episodes. One episode didn't have to take all the brunt of that construction cost. That was well over, I think, $150,000. So we were able to put $50,000 in, like, over three episodes. And so that helps. And, and then again, we couldn't do that if the writers weren't so great about giving us the scripts so far in advance, knowing that we could, you know, we were going to use these sets again and again and again. Because um, one of the uh, many uh, challenges of the show is that, you know, it's a road show, and the guys don't really have a place to hang out. Uh, the closest thing or location set we had, out there was set we had was Bobby's house. And, of course, we burned that to the ground, so that's gone. Uh Right now, the closest thing we have is Rufus's cabin, which you saw again. Um, but you know, with Bobby's house to the ground, and you know, Bobby off, to, you know, you know, dead right now. Um, you know, Bobby's junkyard was pretty close to our our, our our physical studio as well, so that was a very easy location for get us to get into and out. Uh, so we don't have those kind of uh, sets or locations right at our fingertips every episode or most episodes. That means that's much that much more work we have to do for those episodes. So that's a, that many more sets that Jerry has to build or Russ has to find locations for. Um, where most other, you know, drama shows, you know, they might have two, two or three very large permanent sets. So when they're looking at an eight-day schedule, they only really have to find maybe three days or four days worth of a schedule for locations and building. Us, we're finding locations and building for almost every day. So that's mm-hmm. why we have a tremendously large, um, you know, cr- crew up here in uh, Vancouver. Uh, who are incredibly talented, but it's it's larger than most feature films. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's it is our, our you know our art department, not counting our construction and painters, just the art department is, is nine people. And uh, when to compare it to Everybody Hates Chris, my art department was two. Mm. Wow. Right. So that gives you some kind of comparison, some some sort of frame of reference, you know. And we're you know. I, think we just finished our count for our Christmas gifts for the crew this year from the producers. And we have people that in order to basically you know, bake the, you know, it's only for full-time people. We have some daytime people. They play people that work on the show. But if you average four to five days a week, you basically are on our Christmas gift list. And that number totaled this year, 363 people work oh, on this wow. show an average of four to five days a week. Between oh, Los Angeles and Vancouver. Right. Oh, we yeah. went shopping. <laughs> uh, it, it, we're happy to do it, but that just gives you an idea of how many people, you know, mm-hmm. this show employs. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not counting actors or directors mm-hmm. that come in. That's just the full-time crew and staff. Mm-hmm. When you build a certain set, do you kind of think, well, if I do this and this, it'll work as this, this, and this later on? So oh, absolutely. Of- Again, if we didn't have the scripts, and we do on this show, have them so far in advance, um, we I don't know if we could do the show, certainly nowhere near as good as we, as we think we do it now. Uh, we absolutely design that with my or Sometimes we find a location we think is really cool, say for episode three, and we're thinking, that you know what, though? This is really a cool location. It's only one day's worth in this episode, but if we save it for episode seven, what's going to be in three days' worth or four days' worth of the show, let's do that. So sometimes we will... You know, not always, you know, um, 
you go for the instant gratification. We'll save good locations for episodes we know we're going to use them more, uh, which is frustrating to a director, so I don't want to show directors sometimes. Yeah, I got the perfect location for your half day's work, but I'm not going to even let you see it because I'm not going to tease you with it because I'm not going to let you have it because I'm saving it for episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and we've done that. We've done that with actors before. We had an actors come in uh, a couple a couple episodes ago, and not a lot of credits. I think she's really terrific, and we we wanted to hire her here. Uh, and Bob Singer and Jeremy called up and said, "You know what? She is so good that you know she only has one scene. We, we want to save her for something else later on in the season." This is just going to be a one-day part. It's like three lines, and we're, she's on our list that we're saving for a much bigger part down the road. Uh, and so much of the frustration of our director and myself, like, well, okay, uh, we'll put her on the bench. We'll go to the next choice. And there's tons of very capable performance here, so it's not like the show suffered. But, of course, the director, you know, wanted the best one he found in, in the room. And mm-hmm. in this case, Bob and Jeremy overruled and said, nope, we're hanging on to her for a later episode. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, speaking, speaking of, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, speaking of, of awesome casting, Ty Olson as Benny, he's terrific. Oh, absolutely. No, he is absolutely, you know, uh, doing a great job for us. And again, there's somebody who we've known about, and uh, you know, we would never have used him in, in just one episode only. He, you know, just there's no chance. Uh, mm-hmm. When you somebody of that caliber, you know you um, you know you want to get somebody uh, you know who uh, you really want to exploit more than one episode. And the same with mm-hmm. Leanne too, Bob and Amelia. She's in a bunch of episodes too. Uh, mm-hmm. They are both uh, you know very very talented performers. And like I wouldn't I wouldn't use them up in one a one off you know two lines at a gas station. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're too too experienced and and. Uh, so, like I say, you save your your experience to people for the bigger roles. Yeah, you have to really believe that he and Dean could could bond as kind of brothers and comrades, despite him playing a vampire. And I thought he has great chemistry with Jensen, and you know, very. No, I agree. Yeah, you know, it's just oh. you never know until you get him on the set. We thought it would work. You know, we thought it was absolutely terrific in the audition. No question. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised it worked, but, you know, sometimes you can guess wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. But, no, in this case, we did not. Uh, he brought that accent with him, which is just great. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that's been, he's been, you know, a real find. And uh, mm-hmm. delighted to have him on a bunch of episodes, and I believe that the convention business is starting to knock on his door, too. Yeah, and also, since he's he's not taking Sam's, Place, but anybody who might possibly come between Dean and Sam is always a little bit iffy. But I sounds like he's got some really great reaction from the fans, so I he's yeah working all around. <laughs> I, um, Ty is one of those Vancouver actors that you see in a lot of things, and you know uh-huh. he was on Battlestar Galactica and Dark Angel, and you know just everything. And I've been a been a, been a big fan of his for years, so. I really like seeing him getting get this big role on Supernatural. Oh, we are too. We're delighted to have him. You know, again, just it, it's great. Um, and uh, you know, we're just we're just thrilled. You know, he's done a, a great job, and as you know, he's, he'll be in more than one episode. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> we um what I was going you were mentioning locations before. Love that church. Um the outside and everything, how it just looked like an old worn down church. I think that's what, probably one of my favorite locations that I've seen you guys use. Yeah, we hadn't used that uh, exterior before. The interior we built on the stage, we matched it. But uh, that is one of the oldest churches in the Vancouver area. I think it was built in the 1860s, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. It, yeah, it, is, it actually is still... Uh, it, it, they don't do weekly. They have a newer chapel across the street uh, where that location is, but... But you can still uh, uh, make it it's still available for weddings and, and baptisms. Um, so it's just, it's great. It's a great, great location. And the fact that you all built the inside, I mean, Jerry Wanick and everybody are just amazing because it was every bit as gorgeous inside as the actual church was outside. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. It, it, and actually, the, the I mean, the, the interior that Jerry had to duplicate, you know, structurally, um, you know, obviously we had it all, be, you know, uh, you know, roughed up because it's more of a hideout for, uh, you know, Kevin, uh, you know, Oscar Child's character. But uh, the actual one is, is beautifully maintained inside. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Um, Purgatory looks really cool. How how did it's, I mean that's such an important location for this season. How did you how did everybody decide to what purgatory looks like? Well, I mean part of that you know you know a tree is a tree is a tree, but we went with great lengths uh, with Serge, uh, our our DP and Bob Singer and Jerry and a bunch of us sat around and really talked at length um, visually how we were going to light it. Uh, the textures we would use within there, uh, because purgatory is, is is more than one forest, but it's really um, the way in which it's being shot, and the lens choices, and the uh, the, uh, the the color uh, the color temperature that we're going with as well, um, because we really want it to look distinct, and we can get that in a couple of places, but. We'd like to go to a forest that has a little more clear ground around it, so uh, uh, just functionally we can get through it. Because obviously, if anyone's been in a thick forest, you can't unless there's a path there. You can't get through it. Uh, so where we do a lot of it is out at a, a it's actually a paintball um, park, and so it's, it's all been cleared up. It's been cleared up for a very long time. That allows us to shoot like crazy all over inside there, um, and. Uh, it's, uh, it gives just enough light to come through over the top that it doesn't light it up too much. Uh, you don't want to do it in the middle of an open field. Although the goat field where Mark Shepard appears is just outside the, uh, the paintball park. But, uh, and that was funny. Just put him in the bunch of, middle of a bunch of goats. Love that <laughs> shot. That was one of my favorite shots. <laughs> Crowley standing in the middle of goats. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I forget what it originally was. It wasn't written for a bunch of goats. And we were out there scouting it with Bob Singer, and the goats were out there. We sort of laughed and said, you know, we should we should put Mark. And, Mark, we adore Mark, but we like to give Mark a hard time. Uh, and Mark can take it as much as he can give it out. We said, you know, we should have him standing in a pile of goat dung. And I said, no, no, let's have the goats just go around him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was raining that day, and, and, and it was raining it, earlier in the day. And if it stayed raining, the goats wouldn't have come out. So uh, thank Goodness, the rain stopped. We were able to get Mark out there. We had we had triples of the pants, and and Mark kind of went, oh, 
whose broad idea was this? <laughs> <There's not laughs> <because of that. laughs> and, of course, we stuck, like, goat food and goodies in his pockets, so the goats would come up over. There's other outtakes. I don't know if it'll end up in a gag roll. The goats are jumping up on him trying to get to the food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Marcus is, looking, that. Marcus is looking at all of us, looking at Bob Singer, going, you sons, I go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we're just having a ball. Oh, that's just great. <laughs> gag reel, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see what it's the gag reel. But that was that was just a total manifestation of just seeing the goats. You know, it would be really funny if Crowley appeared in the middle of the pen with all these goats. Like, yeah, I think we're going to change the script of that. <laughs> uh, and, but that's also that's that's the great thing about having Bob Singer around so much is that when you've got you know uh, uh, the, the main guy there is that when a good idea comes. You know, or Frank, we can get Jeremy on the phone quickly. You know, we can pitch this idea and send a picture of it immediately, and say, "What do you think about this?" And and oftentimes they're like, "You know what? That is a great idea. Let's let's exploit it, take advantage of that. That's a funny idea. Let's do it." And uh, but that's what happened. You know, Bob sort of spotted it over there, and we started joking about it. Next thing you know, that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I get to call Jim. Who's all day was this to put me in the middle of a bunch of goats? So I'm not saying. <laughs> So it was just great. It was it worked wonderfully. So, Mark's it's uh, it was justified. <laughs> yeah, no, Mark, Mark's a good sport, and you know, Mark's a pro, and uh, so he's done it, and you know, it, it's just great. It's great to have him around. Yeah, love the new title card. I think it's mm-hmm. probably one of the most beautiful ones you all have had. Um, yeah, my favorite is season idea? two. Yeah, yeah. Well, those always come internally from our visual effects department. They work a lot with Phil Screecha and our visual effects team headed by Mark Malosh now, uh, who's been with the show, but Mark uh, took over the department this year. And uh, and they submitted a, a number of versions of that, but it was like, you know, I remember looking at that one, because that one I think was our first, the first of like five that I looked down, and I thought my vote was, I like number one, you know, and that ended up being the one we ended up using. So... Um, um, yeah, but that was done by our in-house staff. Absolutely gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Now, I had I have a question about this. Is just oh, I was just wondering myself about a little plot point in the episode. You know, Sam shows up at the cabin. Did Dean call Sam and tell him to go to the cabin? Is that how Sam knew to go there? You know, because I kind of missed there. What happened? How Sam left? Why Sam mm-hmm. left Amelia's and went to the cabin? Well, you know, it, 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 I think from time to time Sam did go there in general. I mean, that's something okay. he would go to once in a while. So it wasn't unusual. It wasn't like he had not been there in a year. Um, and um, so, like I say, in and of itself, um, you know, he's sort of, you know, because at that point you see him, you know, leaving leaving Amelia's house, you know. Uh, that they've been, been sharing and sort of, you know, uh, as we get to see in the flashbacks how they got to know each other. But basically, at, at this point, you know, he gets up and he leaves He leaves Amelia. And uh, you don't even know that he's been with Amelia practically, except you're just realizing, oh, you know, you see in the beginning of Act 1, you know, all of a sudden you see Sam, you know, in, in you know with Amelia and the night stand, like, okay, they've been together, this is a new girl, uh, there's a dog, okay, what's all this stuff going on? And you see him leave. And he goes to Rufus' cabin, so it's, it's like, well, he's leaving Amelia now. 
you know. Hmm. So, right. Yeah, so it would hmm. be unusual for him to do a you know, road trip away. So, hmm. um, what you're saying is he didn't know Dean was there when he got when he went there? No, he did not know. Oh, interesting. Oh. That makes no, sense. No, he, he, yeah, it wasn't like he called him. There was no, there was no oh. phone call. Oh, I thought he met him there. He was somehow gotten him. Yeah, I did too. No, no, it's uh, no, 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 that's why they have, they have a bunch of dialogue. It's like, no, 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 it's me, it's me. You know. That's uh, why I was I was confused. I was like, if he can't get a hold of him, how did he get a hold of him? Well, he didn't. I don't say. He just, the just makes you know, sense. after 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 you know, after Dean came, so Dean has Dean has no idea where Sam is. So Dean goes. So it's so Dean once he you know you know uh, you know as you find after the episode, he completes his end of the bargain with Benny. You know, gets back. Uh, where's he? Where else is he going to go? Bobby's house is burned to the ground. He doesn't know where Sam is, so it makes sense for Dean to go to Rufus's cabin, and it wouldn't be unusual for Sam to go to Rufus's cabin once in a while still. So. There you go. So how long had Dean been at the cabin before Sam arrived? I, I don't I don't know if we were how how Did much we was really established it. Yeah, I think you know we didn't really specify that. Oh, okay. Just curious. So he had yeah, no I idea. I mean, I think I think at one point maybe we were talking like a, a week or something, but uh, I think that got kind of was very early of it, early draft of it, but. Uh, <laughs> That really makes it, you know, the way I was thinking of the episode makes it a little bit different. I, I like knowing that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's one of the places there, you know, he, you know, he could have been, and we didn't say this, you know, and I could just speculate as much as you, like maybe it's something where they knew, you know, Dean knew if Sam was around, eventually Sam's going to come back to Rufus's place because that's the place he'd go to. Now, yeah. this one, I, I know you won't be able to answer this question, but to me, the biggest mystery of the episode was who was watching Sam leave Amelia's house. I know you yes. can't tell us. I'm not yeah. going to tell you who she. I'm not going to tell you who she is. She is. Oh no, I'm not going to tell you who that person is. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to say that to me was the biggest mystery of the episode. That was the one thing that had me mm-hmm. that I want to know more about than anything in the whole episode was who was watching Sam. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. I'm certainly not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I kind of out there. I was just going to say, kind of out there as a as a reaction going on. And you probably won't be able to answer this either, but I'll throw it out there that many people are wondering about Sam not looking for Dean. Is there more to it? than him just deciding not going to look. It's, it just seems so so out of character to me and to others. Well, well <laughs> but, I mean, I think, I, think, I think at a certain point you also have to, you know, they, they had spoken before not to sort of agree not to look for each other. And, uh, you know, you have to sort of take it on face value, you know. Because, um, you, know, you, you know, don't forget, when you know, way back when, you know, before you know, Sam really started hunting with him back in season one, you know, Dean, you know, Sam was in college. You know, Dean went and got him out of mm-hmm. college to go look for Dad. You know, he wasn't, didn't want to do this hunting business. He tried, you know, Sam's tried to get away from it all the time. So it wouldn't be completely out of character that he was just he was just yeah. done with it again. To me, so it's, it's always been of, Dean bringing him back into it, one way or another. To me, initially it was Vin, good Dad. Vinny and I were in clarity. Uh, Vinny and I and Susan here, we all kind of disagree on it. 
Vinny and I both agree you know, that we didn't feel it was out of character for Sam at all, you know. Not at all. Yes. I, I should say, I don't feel like that's out of character for Sam. I don't think it's out of character for a human being to do that. Right. I mm. think what he did was just, I think it was rational. I really do. And Susan does not agree with us. <laughs> I, I do not. <laughs> well, everybody's I, I, entitled their own opinion. That's what exactly. I'm saying. <laughs> and, and, and I may be alone on the podcast, but I know I'm not alone in fandom. You're really not. You're really not. <laughs> I, you know, and, and like I said, it's like Sam's like a family member to me. You know, I, I love him, but at the moment I'm not too happy about things, kind of like how Dean feels at the moment, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, I I sort of understand, but he says, I'm I'm all alone, I'm all alone. And I'm like, well, Sam had Sam, you know. He was, he was, he was not alone. And to not even try for five minutes <laughs> to see. Oh, yeah, and I, to recall, I seem to recall Dean not trying to get Sam out of the cage. Just throwing that out there, just saying Hmm. I, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember Dean trying to get Sam out of the cage. So, yeah, he did. Yeah. There you go. He paid back. Pay back the bitch. No, no, exactly. he did try. He did try. In a, he no. did try. He said exile in Main Street. He went right ahead and ignored him and did his research. He couldn't figure out a way to do it, but he did look and he did. He did try. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Changing the subject. <laughs> Changing the subject. <laughs> Um, I have. I just wanted to mention that the Impala was looking better than ever. How yes. gorgeous was he in this episode? Well, you know, under penalty of death, that carpenter always looked good on camera because you guys will kill me. And that's the penalty. I'll, <laughs> you guys will stone me to death first time you see me. You know, it, it, it was funny. It was, used to revert back to last year. I remember, we were talking with Sarah at the beginning of last season. She said, "Okay, Jim, a couple things are going to happen this year." I said, "Okay, great. Um, we're going to burn down Bobby's house." I went, "Uh huh." I'm looking over the blank stare going, like, shit, there goes half my locations. Uh-huh. Goes, and they're going to lose the, the Impala. I went, uh-huh. What? <laughs> blank stare. What? A bunch of episodes. Oh, shit. <laughs> really? So I have to find piece of shit car of the week now, huh? Yeah. Okay. Anything else can, you can make it a little harder for us this year? <laughs> and I was, it was interesting, I was journey, very... I was very alone in that I didn't have a problem with the Impala missing because it made sense story-wise. Mm-hmm. Of course, I said this to several people, and you know, I possibly lost some friendships. <laughs> Friendship over for me, just logistically, like oh, crap. Now I got to find these cars every week, and you know, Jeff Budnicker, your car coordinator, has got to go find Hot Rod of the Week. And uh, oh gosh. There's only so many mm-hmm. really good hot rods that you know you can find that are in good shape, mm-hmm. uh, and true. let alone, God forbid, you need two of them. You need a double for it. Uh, oh, good luck yeah. finding good luck finding two '67 Grand Prix mid condition in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, um, it's funny because I totally agree with Vinny on this one. It made perfect sense to put aside the Impala. I mean, she's so distinctive. I'm surprised she hadn't been like put aside before. <laughs> you yeah. know, because when you're hunted, you change your appearance or change your car. And, and but she's so, yeah. you know, we love her. But but yeah, yeah, it made sense. So good to while. have her back. But we missed her. Yeah, very I'm, 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 her back. Back. I'm glad Obviously to have her back. Have her back but that way, Jensen, the heart grow fonder. Well, also, and then mm-hmm. Jensen quit, quit, quit bitching at me. 
<laughs> he bitched me about it. I said, you're bitching to the wrong producer. I didn't write it. <laughs> I said, do you think I want to spend money for a new car every week when I got seven perfectly good Impalas right here? <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> really? He looked at me. He understood. But it was, it was fun to vent with each other. We, we've noticed that that the impossible to me as much Jensen as it does to Dean. So, bit of a character bleed oh, yeah. They both, yeah. It's it's uh, you know I think when this show's all said and done, I think uh, I think Mr. Ackles is going to be pushing very hard to make sure one of those cars goes home with him. Yep. <laughs> and actually, frankly, I think I think uh, Jerry's going to want one too. I think they're both going to be like, ah, okay, I'll do one more season. But here's the deal. <laughs> one of those babies comes home with me. Fight over the prettiest one. Well, I'll let those yeah. two fight it out. <laughs> you could just keep driving at the last scene, you know, instead of you know, cut and just keep driving. Yeah. You, you might want to block off the road. Uh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I wanted to ask, um, the purgatory scene, Dean was mm-hmm. just so filthy and nasty, and what did they, I bet he was just miserable. What did they put on him to make him his hair and everything just so filthy and nasty? Well, you know, uh, Jeannie Chow, our, our head, you know, hair, you know, she, they, they've, got, they've got gel to make it look like it's actually filthy, and oftentimes it's not dirt, but it's it's makeup dirt. But, you know, I, can only, I can't sympathize both with Jensen and Jared, you know, after 150 episodes, now we're shooting at episode 158 or 159 right now. They've had blood spray and, and, and fake guts thrown on their face and mud and crap for, for 180, 160 episodes. And, like, they get a little tired of it, but they do it. They're professional. Mm-hmm. But you can tell, like, oh, oh, and they get the big squirts in their face now. Like, hmm, they're not happy. <laughs> they, read, they read that in the script, and I'm like, oh, there's going to be a rewrite coming, Jim. <laughs> what? I, I, just, I, I, I just read this. There's going to be a rewrite. Well, I mean, it looks awesome on screen, but I'm sure it feels cold and gross on you when it's actually on your person. So, yeah. Well, we actually were shooting these scenes out in Purgatory uh, with Benny and and, uh, and uh, uh, Dean. It actually was raining that morning. He was out there. It was it was the second episode we shot because, as everyone knows, Jensen directed the, the third one to air, but that always has to be the first one we shoot. So, mm-hmm. and it was it was more typical Vancouver weather, which unlike. September and August, which were stunningly beautiful, you know, in July, it was cold and rainy. I remember I was out there at 7.30 in the morning, and it was, there was such a large canopy of trees out there. It was dripping much, but it was, it was pretty good, good, sorry, good rain out there. It was pretty wet, wet and miserable. It was, it was pretty cold out there, which, you know, wow. doesn't, you know, when you're jumping around doing fights and rolling around in leaves and mud, you know, it's, you know when you're 12, it's great. You know, when you're 30, <laughs> you know, not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually thought Dean's clothes held up pretty well for being in purgatory and fighting monsters for a year or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of, you know. And does time work the same in purgatory? Like, like it's a year later in in our time for Sam. It's a year yeah. later, but it's the same in purgatory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Not like that. Um, it's not. It's not like it's not like he jumped over the time warp. <laughs> it's like like when Dean was in hell. It was like actually it was forty years for Dean, but only like six months up here or whatever it was. So yeah, no, this was actually year for year. So oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the calendar you know ran along because you were talking about Sam. You know, it's been a year with you know 
like I say, a year uh, in, in our world, and he was in, in purgatory for a year. Is it ever discussed? <laughs> is it ever discussed how, for the supernatural timeline, it's 2014? Because uh, actually, no, we're just going to kind of ignore that. <laughs> no, one tree hill. One tree hill is four year, a four-year jump, and it was fine. So. Yeah, I mean, we actually did the same thing, and everybody hates Chris. We jumped. We jumped one year by two years, and for the sole reasons we wanted to use uh, different music. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> the pilot started like in 1983, and also now it's 1985. Like, well, it, it opens up more music choices for us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking but, of music, great choices in this episode. Six there you go. Toe, fantastic. Well, Jeff Toe, a little Chicago-based Sticks band. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Love Sticks. Very appropriate song. Very appropriate. Well, yeah. yeah. It's uh, oftentimes, yeah, it, it's the lyrics, and, you know, and, and again, that's Bob and Phil and, and Jeremy, you know, have a huge hand in that, and all Alex, our music supervisor as well. So, yeah, no, it, it's great. It's... Uh, uh, we know it's one of the signatures of the show, and uh, it's always good to to hit hit our audience hard. You know, in the first episode, a couple of really good, you know, good tunes. So, uh, very happy with those choices. Um, I have a question. Now that you have spent a significant amount of time on Twitter, yes, um, it's actually one year. New- one year about one year about eight days now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Happy anniversary on that. Yes. <laughs> um, Congratulations. Has it has it given you a new way to plug into the fandom? Do you kind of you get the opportunities like mull over what they're saying to you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Is that it's you know in the broad strokes, you know, I, I'm sort of much more in tune with in general what the fans are. are, are liking and what they're not liking. There's always going to be detractors. There's certain people that want certain mm-hmm. combinations around of the team and someone all Sam, someone all Dean, someone Dean and Cass, someone no Cass, someone Cass and Sam, someone you know, any combinations of two, three, uh Jim Beaver, you know, um you know, there's there's varying uh, you know, groups out there and it's like you it's like you you, you look at it you have to you have to go sort of the more general trends. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, when we got rid of the car, it was pretty clear the fans were unhappy we got rid of the car. Hands down, that was that wasn't pop- that wasn't popular. You know, uh, when we uh, killed Bobby, uh, you weren't so happy. When we, you know, and with a lot of help from Jim Beaver, surprised the hell out of everybody. He came back. That was a lot of fun because uh-huh. very few people saw it coming. Now, you know, we did the yeah, whole, he did he did the whole bottomless snowman, and I participated in some of the tweets with him once in a while and. And, but Jim really crafted that well, and and everybody's all worried about when Kaz is coming back, when Kaz is coming back, Kaz is coming back, and whoop, there's Bobby again. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, and that, that, was, that, was, that was very hard to pull off because we couldn't even put, you know, the, we had to change his name and all the scripts that went around so people didn't even see his name in the script anything, and, and we, were, we, we wouldn't uh, distribute the scripts electronically at all. Um, and so it was just really logistic. It was really hard, and it was so long by the time we shot it before it aired. When it finally aired, it was like, oh, thank God, we'll go back to electronic scripts again. Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like don't ever play poker with Jim Beaver, boy. <laughs> Can you <Yeah>. bluff? <laughs> it was very well done. It was, it was, it was well planned. Mm-hmm. It was and, uh, wonderful. He did, he did a great job with it. That was one of those those good ones. 
But in the end, um, you know, as the, so, the fans might have been, I think they were they were happy, so happy he was back. I think they enjoyed being taken for a ride a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's tough to catch people these days, and spoilers are, you know, they're a lot easier to find if you go looking for them than they used to be, and harder to keep a secret. And you guys, well, exactly. You know, the big secret came out, I think, last week you saw that they found out, the, the fandom found out that anytime Jensen has a shirt off or does a nude scene, they found out that I'm the nude body double. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. We've, we've been trying to keep that a secret for years. Trying to keep that under wraps. <laughs> yeah, trying to interrupt. So anytime Jensen's shirt, you think it's Jensen Ackles? No, it's me. I shaved my chest that week, and it's me. <laughs> but somehow that got out that it wasn't Jensen. It's actually Jim Michael. And so. now everyone's going to be chasing after you, and you don't need that kind of of drama in your life. You really don't. That's right. I, do. I just you know, I just can't handle it, you know. Go <laughs> <laughs> see a doctor and get pills to handle that kind of load. But is it fun? For, like, is it fun for you all? Like, again, now that you have this social media plug into the fan base, when you do know something that we don't know, and you, you just get the ability to kind of sit back and go, <laughs> just wait. Oh yeah, no, it's fun to me. It's the it's the fan mail of you know of the, of, of, of of today. It's I mean, I was a kid. I probably wrote one or two fan mail fan letters in my life, and uh, one of them was to the monkeys of all people. But today, I consider it the fan mail today. It's great. You know, we've had this postcard drive that Tara and Russ started, and we've now got the fans are sending them to the office or papering the kitchen up with them, uh, and mm-hmm. that's fun to do. Um, but. And, and it's funny the crew members come in there and they're they're so touched because they, I mean those cards each one of those postcards must get read ten to twenty times. The crew members really? they flip up, look at them and see who it's from like oh like oh this is really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, being plugged in that way with the fan base is awesome. It's 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 uh, it's a way for them to you know I try to answer a lot of questions you know um, you know uh, you know any any really you know good question I try to answer. Uh, there's some silly questions once in a while. I just kind of ignore those. Like, you know, I just don't have time. Uh, there's a lot of lobbying for people who haven't been on the show in five years. And, you know, like I said, yeah, I'm sure you would like that person back. You know, sometimes I think, yeah, I would too, but that motherfucker's never available, okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, if I wanted Jeffrey D. Morgan, the guy works so much, I don't know if we could ever get him back because he's too damn busy. <laughs> well, everybody's lobbying for Jeffrey D. Morgan. I'm sitting around going, so when is Rock County coming back? You know, we can't always get what we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe the Rolling Stones put it well, so I'll leave it to them. Yes. Exactly. You get what you need. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Speak, um, speaking of Twitter, a uh, question from Twitter. One Tree Hill Supernatural Fan 94 was wanting to know, Jim, what is your favorite episode of the series? If I had to narrow it down to one, I'd yeah. probably... Uh, for me, it goes between the French mistake and changing channels. Oh, good one. Those are two I really like a lot. You know, there's um, I got to tell you though, you know, another one, and I I watched it again today just so you know fresh in my mind. I watched the the season premiere open. It was uh, I thought I thought it was some of Bob Singer's best directing work and mm-hmm. a great script by Jeremy. Um, yeah, those are some of the ones that you know I really thought it was a solid solid episode. But the fun was certainly changing channels, and doing the French mistake was hysterical for all of us. We had so much fun with that. Mm. Uh, so it was great fun and to watch. <laughs> I agree with you with the directing for this episode, the um, season eight premiere. It was there was some just really beautiful shots in it. 
Yeah, Robert Singer did an amazing job. The, just the framing and everything was gorgeous. This episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's great. We've had the same camera crew for you know from start to finish. You know, Sarah's and Brad and. And, and Rosie and Matt Tishner, all these guys, they, they do such a great job. And they're so collaborative, and they have such great ideas on a regular basis. So, um, and, you know, of course, and Bob, Bob and Phil was probably, well, both have directed well over 20 episodes each. So, um, uh, and it was, it was always great to have Bob, Bob around. In fact, Bob's coming up to tune again to direct again. You know, it was always great when Bob's in town. Uh, it's just it's just great. You know, you, you, you turn them you turn them loose, you know, I just stay away. I just let them do their thing, and I just write down what they're saying, what they need, and say, okay, 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 and try not to say no to anything. <laughs> um, um, from Twitter, Fudge and Renegade was wanting to know, what? how did you get started as a producer? How did I get started as a producer? Um, my first producer job was actually with Bob Singer, uh, associate producer on a TV show called Midnight Caller. Ooh, great show. Yeah, but I started off in visual effects uh, and when I first started in the business and worked uh, post-production, worked production, I did video playback. I've been a boom operator. I did, I did, I wore a suit at Universal Studios and worked in business affairs. I've trained location accountants. Uh, I've been, you know, uh, so many different roles on the set and, and, in, and in post-production, a lot of post-production work as well. Uh and, you know, I actually was coming off, I'd done a, a show at Lorimar, which aired, I think, twice, called Studio 5B. I'd never worked at Lorimar before, and Lorimar would later merge with Warner Brothers. And I actually went back to Universal. I was working video playback on Back to the Future Part 2, the big set called the Cafe 80s, and I got a call from Lorimar. And he said, you know, we'd like you to come back on one of our shows, and, you know. And I wasn't really interested in any of the shows they were doing, per se. Just, you know, just they were really sort of just not my cup of tea. And the head of post, I, I, I told him, I said, well, depends on what show it is. And he goes, well, what show would you, which show do you, do you want to work on? I said, well, I said, that Midnight Caller show is really good. He goes, well, that's the show I'm calling about. I said, I'll be there tomorrow for the meeting. And I interviewed with Randy Zisk, and then I met Bob. And, and Randy was, he went on to be you know, executive producer of Monk. Uh, and, uh, but, yeah, so then I started working with Bob. It was back in Midnight Caller. That was 1988 or 89. <laughs> And I've and I've known Phil two years before that. I met Phil Scrisha. Well, I, met, I re-met Phil when I started on Midnight Caller because Phil was one of the editors, and he was on the first season of Midnight Caller. I came on season two, and a gentleman named Chris Long came on as the new sound supervisor. So I was the new post-production supervisor. Chris Long was the new sound supervisor, and Phil was the editor. Chris Long is now the executive producer of Mentalist. I'm back with Bob, and Phil's uh, you know executive producer of both Revolution and uh, Supernatural. So that team with Bob, we go way, way back. Mm-hmm. Multiple shows, so really, you know, Bob Singer was very instrumental in my producing career, and and I worked with Bob for almost ten years in a row, and then our schedules didn't line up, and I did a bunch of other shows with different people, and it was great, great experiences, and then uh, I was producing the show Everybody Hates Chris, which was also uh, part of the the uh, the new the new channel CW, and when that show uh, uh, wasn't renewed. Uh, uh, Phil and Bob they knew they were had, had an opening for a producer on Supernatural, so the phone call came and Paul. Paul I, I had a, I knew I won't tell a show I was going to go to. I did have an offer coming in the following week, so Bob called me on a Friday and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm sitting on my couch." He goes, "Do you want to go to Vancouver and work with uh, work with us?" So you and Phil said, "said okay, you can come by Monday." You know, talk to you because I already met Kripke before, so yeah, come by Monday with Eric. You know, we'll talk. So okay, great. I came on Monday, Tuesday I was the new producer of Supernatural. Wow. Amazing. 
So that was the, so it had been, it had been t- the last thing I had worked with Bob was a series that Bob actually had created, and we were shooting in Chicago called Turks, starring William Devane, uh, and uh, um, and and that pilot there was a bunch of actors in there that, that you know had done really well as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, Bob and I had seen each other. We we're social friends. We'd run anything. We just we tried to work together. We tried to work together on uh, uh, two two other shows. But I was tied up at different studios, and just the timing never worked out. And, and it did with Supernatural again. So it, it, it's been great to be working with Bob again and Phil. Mm. Um, I just loved Reasonable Doubts. I just. I want to tell you that's one of my favorites from way back well, you know, when it would come out on DVD. I do too. You know, and Bob Singer also created that show. Mm-hmm. He wrote the pilot and directed it, and uh, uh, Phil and, edited it. I was the, I think, the show's producer on the pilot, and Randy just produced it with Bob and I, and we shot some mm-hmm. of it in Chicago, the rest in L.A., and uh, it was the first of two shows that Bob created that starred Mark Harmon, and uh, and Mark's still a friend to this day. In fact, uh, Madison McLaughlin was uh, guest starring. I think we were working with Mark last week, so I sent my regards through to Mark and Madison. <laughs> <laughs> she was guest starring in NCIS last week. Cool. So it's a small town in a lot of ways, and uh, uh, but yeah, so you know, with a lot of us, you know, it's these are twenty-year relationships we've had. Uh, another question from Twitter, um, I don't know how to pronounce your name, Marino, Marino, um, was wanting to know, how do you all choose the towns where the stories are going to take place? Like some towns, you know, they've used, you know, they've mentioned those towns quite a bit, states a lot, Michigan, Ohio seems to get used a lot. Um, like for me, I know, you know, Kentucky, mention it more, I would be thrilled. <laughs> but um, who, who picks the places where the stories are going to be taking place? Well, typically, again, that starts starts with the script. Sometimes, you know, and they'll write something, and we'll do some research and try to find out what what's what's an appropriate town. Uh, sometimes it might be someone's favorite little town. I know when uh, we're talking about a really small, small town in North Dakota. I, I happen to know a friend of mine who was from a town called Hoople, North Dakota. I always thought the name was so funny, Hoople. <laughs> <laughs> so in North Dakota, I remember I called, I emailed Sarah Gamble. I said, Sarah. How would you feel about renaming this Hoople? She said, is that a real town? I said, yeah, it's only a population of 220 people. It'd be hysterical. It's a funny name. She's like, yeah, let's change it to Hoople. So that's how that happened. I knew a, a girl I knew from Chicago who was from Hoople, North Dakota. And when that aired, you know, the town went, how did our town get <laughs> And that's really how it happened. You know, we were doing another, we were doing Dick Roman's, uh, uh, you know, uh, we need a small airport and stuff, and you know, outside north northwest of Chicago, which is where I grew up. I said, "Well, I'm, I'm looking around. Well, that's got to be Powaukee Airport, which is right down the road from where I grew up." So it ended up being Powaukee Airport, and sort of put it in Northbrook, you know, where the factory was. Because you know, we end up in Wisconsin, like as Jerry Wanick's from Wisconsin, Phil Screech is from Michigan, John Showalter's from Iowa. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, obviously everyone knows Kripke's, you know, Eric's from you know, Toledo, Ohio. Uh, so there's a lot of Midwesterners, and we don't have anybody from Kentucky on staff, though, I don't think. But I have to. I'm always I'm always happy when Texas gets a shout out. So well, we have to Texas once in a while to keep keep the guys happy. <laughs> right there, with, well, I'm, I'm in, right there with them. So <laughs> well, I'm in Florida, so I was happy the mystery spot was here. Well, there you go. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, any, like, yeah. No, go ahead. I like, there's a map actually in the writer's office in Los Angeles, and they've got a pin in every city we've we've named and used. 
on the wall. <laughs> oh, cool. It's awesome. quite cluttered at this point. Yes. <laughs> um, in an episode like this where they go to so many different cities within one episode, is that a challenge as far as scouting goes to kind of make them look distinct so that you can tell well, that it's a different city without the title? Yeah, it's a challenge not only for the art department, it also is for the costume department. Because now they've got to you know, do research on four different states of state troopers, and, and we can't always clear the actual logos, say, for instance, state police in Idaho, Iowa, and, say, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, but we've got to get something kind of close. So between the art department and the wardrobe department, like, ah, warning, danger, Will Robinson, how are we going to get this done in time? They always do. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that stuff goes through. Because we don't want them to be, you know, you, you don't want to, say, for instance, um, you know, a certain state, say they all wear a certain type of, or very distinctive type of hat. And if we mm-hmm. were to put our state troopers in something, a hat that they've never worn in the history of the state, you know, we'd, we'd get grief for it. So mm-hmm. they wanted to try and make it accurate. So if they put a town up, our art department will have, you know, Kermit, Texas, they'll have, you know, 30 photographs of Kermit, Texas up in the art department, you know, on a wall, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. of gas stations in Kermit. So we try to, you know, um, uh, uh, make it look like those actual towns as best as we can. Oftentimes, it's, it's a lot of rural towns, so that's a little simpler because there's a little less distinction. But we'll we'll go through and make sure that the road signs Louisiana. Like when Dean gets out of the truck in the Act One, you know that's that's what a Louisiana road trucks, you know, a road uh, road sign looks like. You know, that's what mm-hmm. that, that's going to be that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not just what they thought it would be. They they go and do the research. They'll go and find out what it is, mm-hmm. and then we'll duplicate it. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Back back to this episode, were, did it? Were there any scenes that you filmed that were cut? You couldn't weren't actually shown or anything? There, there's two scenes. Um, there was a scene before they broke into the church. The, the thugs, Crowley was with um, uh, uh, Audrey Child's girlfriend uh, outside, and they're having a conversation before they go into the church. That scene was gone. And uh, but you I mean it, you know sometimes you end up long so you have to lose some scenes. And mm-hmm. uh, there actually was a scene when Dean finished the phone call where we actually went back to the car and talked a little bit and then drove off. That was the original ending, but they decided to end it with just Dean and Benny on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the ending with Dean and Benny on the phone. I think that's I like that ending better. I think than seeing him go back to the car. I think so. I think so too. You know, and because the the what was discussed in the car, we've already laid out. There wasn't new information. Um, mm-hmm. I that it wasn't a great driveway shot. You know, the Bob shot is gorgeous, but you know, I thought dramatically. You know, leaving that Dean and Benny and how he's hiding this Benny from 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 Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So that's that's uh, you know that's and I thought that that forced that secret further for our audience. Because at this point, Dean hasn't told Sam about Benny. Right. It's kind of like, it reminds me of when Sam was hiding Ruby from Dean in season four. So Mm -hmm. I kind of like like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is Benny's last name Lafitte? There was the sign in the... I believe that that is true, yeah. I think that's the name we came up with him. I could... Um, actually, look it up and see. I, I think in our script we always just put Benny, but um, I don't. I, I know we wouldn't look up a, a French name of a name that would be him. I don't think we're going to tie him to the name. So I think it was just the, the property where he was where he was buried. Uh, but it, uh-huh. it's a very. It's a, we, we I remember we, we wanted to find a name that was 
fairly calm, but also of the time and of the era that would be that you could find in Louisiana. Uh, I don't think we were going to name him last name Lafitte, but uh, but that's the property he was buried on. Uh, I'm not sure. I, mean, I don't know if we're going to handcuff ourselves to that name. Let me put it that way. I don't, I don't remember if we are or not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters. Mm-hmm. You know um, that grave yep. that grave site is a good fifty feet from the crossroads. So. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Well, I tweeted the picture. Uh, I tweeted the picture of it the other uh, that I took the other day mm-hmm. uh, of, of the grass. All the grass is kind of you know, not grown back there yet. It's kind of we kind of killed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was fun to see the blood phone again. Yep. Scanning, calling. I guess calling. <laughs> um. For another question from Twitter, real quick. V Hail H V wants to know about um, how Dean survived in. In purgatory, did he have food? You know. Yeah, yeah the, the premise of our purgatory is that you don't need to eat in purgatory. Okay, okay. Because somebody asked the question, boy, did Jensen really cut down a lot of weight? Uh, you know, for the season. <laughs> like, well, Jensen's in amazing shape anyway. So, asking him to cut down weight, he probably look at me like I'm, I'm crazy. Um, but, um, um. But I think we said there is you don't really eat while you're in purgatory. That's why when he comes out, you know, he gets his hungry back, and you'll see when he's, when he's having that burger, and Sam is giving the information, like he's tracked down, you know, um, Kevin, Kevin Tran, you know, he's going to think about anything. He's like, mm, good burger. Do you hear him mm-hmm. in English? And he's just always doing, loving the taste of the burger. So Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I know that able to stay with us very long because you have plans for the evening. I'm actually um, going to a birthday party for uh, um, uh, the woman who played Marie McCann in the Party on Garth. Party on Garth. Garth. Party on Garth episode. <laughs> and one of those brothers were all murdered. And it's a birthday uh-huh. party for her with a bunch of people here in Vancouver. And she invited me. I said, of course I'll come, uh, Jiggy TV Julia. She's a nice girl. Uh, you will have she's to wish her happy she, birthday for she's us. Actually, she's actually a trained opera singer. Really? Oh wow! Yeah, she trained at Lambda Academy in London, and then and also trained in Italy, and actually is a is an opera singer. But she acts Very and, cool. and all that stuff too. But uh, yeah, no, she uh, a woman of many talents. Well, you know, she sang. I about she sang. I went. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's saying she's five foot eight, one hundred and thirty pounds, and all of a sudden this voice came. I went. What? <laughs> wow. Amazing. We we follow her on Twitter. So let send her our birthday wishes. Yes, we we enjoy her tweets. So tell her mm-hmm. happy birthday from us. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah. Well, you, you you can always tweet her. She's on the Twitter too. But yeah, I'll, I'll make sure she gets all the happy birthdays. So. <laughs> well, we will let you run off and go party up. It's great to be a part of it. You know, I know Ty Olson's so excited, you know, to be with the show. Uh, Leanne's excited to be with the show. You know, Kevin's great. You know, we've got a lot of new people, you know. Uh, uh, it's mm-hmm. been a really uh, great time, and you guys have been wonderful supporters. I can't thank you guys enough for Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys are, are, are integral to keeping the show, heaven, and for keeping the show on the air, and all this uh, work that you guys do in the fandom for, you know, staying with us and being loyal. I mean, there's a reason why the show's on the air, you know, on its eighth year. And, mm-hmm. you know, to get moved into a great night, it, this is really a reflection of the fans, you know, not going away, you know. And mm-hmm. we yeah. wouldn't be here without you, 
uh, well, it's well deserved. You guys are wonderful. You guys are great and and worthy of all our support. So thank you very much for all the hard work you do and the fantastic work that you guys do to everybody, cast, crew, everybody. Indeed. We certainly we certainly enjoy doing it, and uh, it's a real hoot. And uh, you know, the funny thing is, like we were looking at the production board the other day, and we have 183 days of production. I think we're done with 63 of them now already. So we're almost wow. we're shot more. We've shot more than a third of the season already. Unbelievable! That's just crazy, yeah. You know what's crazy is I can't wait to tell you what happens down the road, but I can't say a word. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> You're gonna have to come back around episode. Seven, eight-ish. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, think, I, think, I think you guys. I think you guys ought to convince Bob Singer to do this or Phil Scrisha. Uh, that's we would love to have them. We would love them. <laughs> yes, let them know so, that we would love to have them on. <laughs> yes, yeah. Every, everybody, I mean, everybody has an open invitation. Yes. Yeah. Well, like I said, Phil and Bob are great, you know, and uh, it just you know to get one of them on, it could be a lot of fun, and. Uh, uh, but, you know, they've been on the show. You know, I, listen, I, I still very feel very fortunate. I, you know, I, I came in year five, and I still consider myself one of the the, uh, the newbies on the show, even though I've been on uh, seventy episodes now, or sixty, whatever it is. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still the new kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure they've accepted you by now. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I you know I you know I know where every Starbucks coffee is in Vancouver, and I can tell you that. And I don't even drink coffee. <laughs> okay, great. well, I will I will give uh, uh, Julia Jiggy TV uh, a warm wishes from all you guys as well, and I'll see her later tonight. And uh, we'll certainly Supernatural always comes up when we're on her and her friends, so I'm sure looking up tonight. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Yeah, well, thanks for thank having me. You're welcome back anytime. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you guys soon. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Jim. Mm -hmm. Ah, he's great. Yeah. I love talking with Jim. That was a ton of fun. It was loads of fun and um, lots of info. Yes. I don't think we've ever laughed so much, possibly. <laughs> no, I have to give her a lot of credit for giving us so much information and no spoilers. That's that's talent yes. right there. That's yeah. good. He is good. <laughs> that is skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now the we can thing. talk about the episode. What did you all think? Tell us. What did you think? Well, you all know how I feel about things. Well, let's talk about that. I do 100% believe, and not just as a Sam girl, but there was zero resources for Sam this time around. Zero. He had nobody to reach out to. And while I do think that it was, it could be interpreted as selfish on his part to just, stop. I think as people, we're selfish anyway, and you just kind of find a way to survive. And when you're completely alone and have nowhere to start, you find a way to survive. And I think that the scene the scene of Sam taking the dog to the the vet, it kind of shows what his mental state was. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. he had a dog, and that's traumatic, but that his reaction is not about the dog. And I think it's very obvious in the way that that Jared played mm-hmm. it, that it's not, the reaction's not really about the dog, it's more about his state of mind. 
Oh, yeah. I did notice yeah. that, and I thought it was a very cool, subtle touch. Much like the very subtle touch of Dean just staring at the choices in the vending machine. Like, yes. I thought that was a really good shot mm-hmm. of Dean just being kind of overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And um, about Sam and not doing anything, I've thought about this a lot, and Really, the only thing I can think of that he could have done is maybe summon Crowley, because we know they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, summon Crowley, and then Crowley would have, of course, no information for him, and you know he wouldn't have given up Kevin at the time, or mm-hmm. even admitted to having Kevin. And so then or admitted that, to where Sam would, Right, exactly. He would have no, no way to help him. So that's really all he could have done was summon Crowley, and that wouldn't have helped him anyway. So I can't think of anything else he really could have done. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just what bothers me, not terribly, but what bothers me about it is that everybody says, well, Sam had no one, Sam had no one, Sam was all alone, all alone, all alone. And I'm like, okay, but Sam had Sam, and, and that's a, a formidable resource right there. And he However, still had he still had computer access. He wasn't all alone. He you know, he's kind of a very crazy, quirky personality, but he's proven to also be very um smart and that's Garth. So and you like you said, he could have called Crowley and well, we haven't seen everything and I know they're doing a lot of flashbacks this season and we could very well see maybe Sam thinking about that stuff, trying to that stuff. And he said that he drove and drove and drove and when he hit the dog he was he was traumatized and like you said, it's not only about him hitting the dog. So I, I know there's more out there and I I hope maybe some of this will come to light because it it seems so callous of fancy and I understand that you have nothing you you survive and they're both survivors and seen and I'm I'm not surprised he did survive but I find it very odd that he didn't even try to find you. I will say this but I will say this in two ways. One, you saying that he didn't try, but without without Bobby Sam isn't really, they've established for the past few seasons that Sam and Dean really aren't that good about ancient lore on their own. They can look mm-hmm. into something that's falling in their lap and mm-hmm. they can investigate that. But as far as going into anything of the deep mythology, they needed either, they needed Cass, they needed Bobby, they needed Rufus, they always needed somebody, uh, Ruby, mm-hmm. Meg. It's mm-hmm. almost like, it's, in a way, it's like Sam doesn't have a library to go to anymore. He has mm-hmm. no... He just has well, Google. And how far is Google going to get him in this kind of situation? And I will well, also say that I appreciate them not... We've already seen how Sam can get when left to his mm-hmm. own devices as a hunter. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that it shows growth of Sam, where the character himself is now you know, 29, nearly 30 years old that he didn't fall into that obsessive, robotic, mm-hmm. hunting machine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I understand that also, and I don't want them to, like, rehash but that kind of character because we got it 
with Robotic Hunter, and then we got Soul of Sam, which was very similar. So I don't I don't need to see that again. But um, Sam, they both guys spent time last season without Bobby, without their usual resources, and they found ways to do it. And Sam was usually the one to find the professor of the ancient language. And when when they were in when they when they finally killed Dick Roman. Dick Roman was a leviathan. He came from purgatory. The chances are good he's going back to purgatory. So Sam did have a place to begin. And whether or not he's successful, and probably wouldn't have been. But And we may find out later, except we're not getting 100% of the story. We've just started. We've had one episode. So it may turn out that, yeah, Sam didn't think about it. And he did a lot more than we know at the moment or at least tried, and then moved on. And then I understand, but at the moment, all we know is that he apparently didn't look for Dean. So I'm, I'm, I'm just curious where this is going. And I, you know, I just hate Kirk. I'm not a, abandoning him. I'm not that kind of extreme person. No, but, I know. But I'm, I'm, for just from my point of view, my opinion is I'm, I'm surprised. Surprising me I'm, as a character at the moment, and I'm curious to see where he came from and where it's going. And it may be a cigar is just a cigar, and Sam just didn't look, and there's there's no other point to it. I also want to ask Sam at one point, and people are entitled to change their mind, but he says, "You know what? I am what I am, and I'm I'm a hunter. I can't have a normal life. I can't go back to it. Okay, fine. I'd accept." Now all of a sudden it's what he's always wanted again. So that's my opinion. No, no and I t- I totally understand. I guess I'm not trying to say he wasn't selfish in his decisions. I'm saying that I'm okay with his selfishness. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you have to try and understand. And, and you know what? It's hard for anybody because we're at, we we weren't in Sam's shoes. We've only had one episode, and we've gotten a total of, what, maybe 10 minutes of flashbacks into what both characters have been doing for a year. So, there, yeah, there's a lot going on. And I find it also, I'm very curious, Sam says, you know, there was a girl, and then there wasn't. So I did find that line very interesting. Yeah, Because we saw when he left, when he left, he was still with her. Yeah, and he left in the middle of the night. I thought he left because... He went to see Dean. And now we know from Jim Michaels that she had no idea where Dean was or was back or anything. I thought he'd gotten the Which message. to me, to me, when Jim said that, it made more sense to me how he left. Maybe she was used to him just getting up and leaving in the middle of the night and heading off to who knows where. You know, because mm-hmm. Jim, Jim said that, you know, Sam had been going back to the cabin during this year. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. she, you know, I guess she's used to him getting up and just leaving. Yeah, she was pretty confident. He looked sad when he left. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, she didn't, she didn't look confused. Yeah. She definitely did not and look confused or angry. No, just sad, kind of. And he kind of looks back a little bit, like a, maybe with a little bit of regret. Um, I also thought it was interesting that he, I, again, told a different perspective since um, Jim 
Jim told us that uh, he had no idea Dean was in the cabin. He he fixed up the Impala, and for someone who doesn't hunt, didn't want to hunt, hasn't hunted, the trunk of the car is still in perfect I weapon thought about condition. That too. I thought about that too. You know that was. I mean, the minute they're ready to take off, he lifts the secret compartment, and everything's in order. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in Sam's kind of order, not Dean's kind of order. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, it's in its perfect condition. I suppose he's kind of maybe covering all the bases, and I understand that. But it's been a whole year, and I can understand him maybe keeping the basics in the trunk. Salt, holy water, a couple of guns, but the entire trunk is still full. And even Dean put the put you know kind of covered baby when he was off for his time with Lisa. So mm-hmm. that's curious too. I also think that it's possible that Sam, you know, despite how whether he was going to consider um, continue hunting or not he had to have known that the possibility of things coming after him was there. And I think maybe after a while, once nothing was on his tail, he kind of did his version of relaxing. Where, mm-hmm. you know, you're not constantly running from something. Maybe mm-hmm. you can actually start running to something. Yeah. And and that's Me. interesting. <laughs> that's, <laughs> um, um, that's interesting, too, because... Again, even though Sam isn't hunting, doesn't mean something isn't hunting Sam. So, so interesting that way. Also, I wonder. We didn't see it. I wonder if he um, monster-proofed Land's, uh, uh, Lord Amelia's home. Yeah, maybe not. I wondered about that. The other thing I wondered about was. Um, oh, I just lost it. Never mind. If it comes back, I'll think I'll say it. Mm-hmm. To me, um, the biggest thing that made me completely understand how Sam was thinking and what he was going through was in the scene, it's probably my favorite scene in the whole episode, when Dean's sitting at the foot of the bed on the floor and Sam was sitting on the bed and they're talking. And um, Sam, you know, told Dean, asked him, um, you know, didn't you think it was, um, I forget the exact question, but basically Sam said was, no, he didn't think it was his problem. You know, he didn't need to go out and save these people. It's not his problem. And mm-hmm. It's not uh, his responsibility, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, and Dean said, well, you know, those people died. And he says, well, you know, maybe they did. Maybe another hunter took care of it. And I was like, yes, see, we can't take care of everybody in the world, you know, and I, com- mm-hmm. I completely understood what he was saying. You know, people two states away, you know, sure, I would like to help them if I could, but I can't get up and leave. You know, I you know, I completely understood what he was saying. I'm not a mm-hmm. hunter and all that. But the thing is, we think of Sam not as a regular person. We think, you know, Sam Winchester, you know, mm-hmm. TV characters on TV are bigger than life, and so we expect them to always be perfect and, you know, and just be the bigger-than-life hero. But the reality is, you're right, Sam's just a man. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And Sam is just acting like a regular person, and so that disappoints some people. And, you know, I admit the first time I heard him say when I was watching it live that, no, he didn't look for a dean. That did hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. And 
But, you know, you, we got to, you know, Sam, you know, I <laughs> Jeremy Carver, because he wrote the episode, you know, he's like making Sam a regular person, not the bigger-than-life hero. So I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. My, um, and I remember what I was going to say, and it ties into that. My only, I don't even want to say issue, but my only eyebrow raise in what Sam said is was when he said that he found something he never had before. And it was kind of one of those, that's not true. You've had it before. You've got to go have a normal life, and you've got to have a girlfriend that you were going to mm-hmm. marry. And, mm-hmm. you know, circumstances got in the way, but you've had this before. You, you've had mm-hmm. your pseudo-family. And, um, well, and, well we, we actually we don't know what he's had with Amelia because, you know, we haven't had mm-hmm. a chance really to see that much of it. You know, you know, you, you've got your teenage love, and then you've got your grown-up love. Like I always thought of, like with Buffy, with Angel and Spike. Angel was her teenage true love. Spike was her grown-up true love. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe it's the same with Sam. Maybe you know, Jess was his teenage true love, and you know, mm-hmm. Amelia's the person he fell in love with oh. as an adult. But what I'm saying is, one, Sam was not a teenager when he was with Jess. But also, you know, like I say, he had the opportunity to go live a life that had nothing to do with hunting. So for him to say, and he, to me, had a parallel of that. You know, he mm-hmm. had a life that didn't involve hunting. It was a normal Joe life, and he had the girl. So he did have something like that. So to say, I never had that before, is a little mm-hmm. strange. Yeah, but he didn't have it exactly the same way. Because no, I'm just saying, like a parallel. Dad, dad was still alive. Yeah. Dean was still alive. Right. He possibly was guilty, or blah blah blah. But this time, he had his life is very much changed. Like he said, he everyone was dead. He was tired of people dying on him. You know, so I I, I kind of understand to understand that. And he's never felt the same. I think obligation as Dean to try and mm-hmm. save the world. No, never. You know, save the people. He's, he's never felt that way. And. I, I understand, but it's also a little bit. Um, there's a there's a great story. It's it's about this. Um, it's it's beach, and all these starfish are washed up on the beach, and there's this this kid like picking up a starfish and throwing it back in, and there's no way he's going to get them all. And he says, "What are you doing? There's too many starfish. Why why bother and save them? You can't make a difference." And he says, "I make a difference to this one." So it's like, yeah, you can't save the whole world, but you can help who you can. So that's Maybe that was the thing. And, and, of course, Kevin, you know, he knew about Kevin. He knew he was taken. And he knew it had to do with Crowley. And he did leave him on his own. And I felt that was that was. And I will say that is the one thing where I I really do agree with you, that it was one thing to walk away. It was another thing to make himself unavailable. Because when he doesn't have corpses Mm -hmm. to verify death, he doesn't know where anybody is. I think not answering the phones or even checking the messages was irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that. I will agree with that. I will agree. Yeah, and I think Sam realized that too because the look on his face when he heard those messages from Kevin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like you know, okay, fine, leave the life, but you should at least check your phone and see if you know somebody actually somebody needs you because I know if you know one of their past contacts, I would think if somebody that they cared about. I'd also say Garth, maybe, 
you know, mm-hmm. called and said, you know, he needed help, he would have went, I would think, I would mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I do think also that that Dean, Dean being upset and angry at Sam, I think he's handling his reactions really well. You know, he wasn't petty, he didn't punch him, he didn't start a big fight. He's obviously yeah. upset, but he's still working with Sam. You know, and he Which, he has a he gets his point across sometimes, but he's but he's trying to deal with it as well as Sam didn't also get petty or immature on Dean. He's he's he he was unapologetic for his decision, but he still felt badly for Dean and for Kevin, and just said, "Okay, I can't change the past year, but but let me do the work now. Let's find Kevin. Let's do it." So I, I think their reactions are show a lot of growth and maturity, you know, and that's uh, and it should because, like you said, they're they're thirty and what are they almost twenty nine and thirty two or you know, so they're maybe twenty nine and thirty three. And yeah. I wonder also if the fact that um, Dean knows that he's he's hiding his BFF vampire friend from Sam <laughs> may have, you know, had something true. to do with it too. Because, you know, remember he killed Amy last year, mm-hmm. you know, when Sam begged him not to, you know, because she's a demon, she's a monster, she's going to kill things. And here mm-hmm. he brought back a vampire back to the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and I think automatically be, kill him once he got here. Right. Like, okay, great, you got me out. So long, you're a, you're a monster. We're back where I where I belong, and I'm the hunter, and you're the mm-hmm. monster. And it, no, we didn't. They they actually um, were like brothers and brothers in arms. You know, having been through a yeah, war yeah. together. Yeah, and Ty Olson is so that, pretty awesome. That you know, that could be a lot of why Dean's not mm-hmm. calling Sam on things because he knows he's hiding something that he shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Because you know. Yeah. He's he's not he's not even hiding it in a way where Sam can go. What's up with you? He's hiding it really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not mm-hmm. even shady. It's you know mm-hmm. it was for the for the viewers. It's very reminiscent of you know uh, like I had said oh, when you're when the mistress calls when your wife's in the car. Uh huh. You know you, you hide mm-hmm. it really well and. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. the wife and kid were in the car, and the mistress called, and Dean yeah. went scampering off. Yep. Um, I just a couple shallow moments. Sam's <laughs> long hair is just gorgeous. I love it. Rockstar hair. Um, the longer his the hair better. Has, <laughs> his hair has never been more beautiful. It's like, oh my god! No. I texted Vinny, and I said, um, I, the things I said was. Wild Dean in Purgatory is so hot. Dean um, Sam's <laughs> hair is absolutely beautiful. Kevin's adorable as always. <laughs> I, you know, she said she was like Kevin was adorable, and I was like, Kevin's kind of a hot ass. I was going to say that. <laughs> you can say yeah. adorable all you want, but I was like, that shirt's working for you, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was wardrobe really. Mm-hmm. I was I was just going to say. Dean, uh, Purgatory Dean was badass. I mean, we always knew Dean was a badass, but holy cow, to survive in Purgatory like that with all those monsters, he's amazing. 
amazing. And I, I know Jensen's not having a very good time because of all the blood and goo and God knows what on him, but I don't care because he looks, because Dean looks badass. The weapon he made, everything. Really, really cool. There, there's one moment when he first came back um, and he's holding a gun on the couple at the tent and the camera's mm-hmm. pulled back just so you can see him and the couple. And the way mm-hmm. Dean's standing with one one leg bent and one leg standing straight behind him and mm. um, he's pointing that gun at him and he's like, oh, my God, that is seriously the sexiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're saying, like, what does that say about us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when and when he's in purgatory and he beheads the vampire and he does that same, you know, just one quick cut to his head in that same pose with the one leg forward and the one back, and it's like, wow. <laughs> Very hot. Very hot. <laughs> um, that was very interesting when he when he gets out of purgatory and he's holding his arm and he keeps like wincing like he's in pain and you think he's hurt his arm or something and it turns out to be that's how Benny rode out of purgatory in his arm. Yeah. That was a pretty cool effect. I did like that. I thought that was really yeah. neat. Yeah. And not, not to get all, you know, crazy thoughtful, whatever the word is. I'm trying to think of, I'm losing my words right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting, you know, Benny talks about, you know, his soul, and that was his soul and Dean's arm that he brought out with him and said, I don't, you know, and Buffy lore, you know, and everything, vampires don't have souls. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think it's really interesting to see. I, you know, I was wondering, okay, it looked like, Dean killed those vampires down there. So, but they're already dead to have to be in purgatory, you know. So, what did yeah. he kill? And you know, it's it's all really confusing to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like how do you kill something in purgatory if it's already dead? But is it dead? Is it just a monster? Well, it's, in it's, purgatory? it's a it's a li- it's a limbo kind of. Yeah. So, hmm, if I can see that. Yeah. And also, you know, the monsters were, you know, ooh, he's the human, it's the human. I At first I was thinking, oh, the vampires are all crazy for wanting him because he's the only human. He's the only food, basically, there for him, for them, mm-hmm. you know. And But then, right. you know, Jim says you don't need to eat in purgatory. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just, you know, and, and again, I'm probably making too much of, you know, it's, I'm thinking way deeper than the writers probably mean for us to think. But Maybe. it's all like, I, I, I want to know how it works. <laughs> well, I wonder because well, I, apparently Benny needed a, you need a human to get out of purgatory. But yeah, I'm guessing that like the other vampires knew that. Because the first vampire that we see, Dean's hunting him. The vampire's not hunting Dean. Right. Dean's the hunter there. Then the other one comes out of nowhere but he's not intent on making friends with Dean. He's looking to kill Dean. Uh-huh. Then he's the only one that has, like, a civil conversation. Mm-hmm. And when the first vampire said, the human, I didn't take it so much as, like, ooh, food. I took it so much as, you've apparently got quite the reputation, Dean Winchester, here in, pur- in Purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really liked that. But, yeah. Um, and I and was, I'm curious to, yeah, I'm curious to, to see if they ever tell us 
why Dean was hunting that particular vampire to find Castiel. Why that vampire? Yeah. And he doesn't call him Cass or Castiel. He says the angel. No, the angel. And I like that, too. Mm-hmm. I like, like, when he says, and it, I think it ties in well to where um, Dean is saying that purgatory felt pure for mm-hmm. Dean to be the human and Castiel to be the angel, mm-hmm. where names names are irrelevant. Yeah. And I, it's, I'm sure it, they probably mean Cass, but it'd be interesting if they meant another angel. They just didn't want to be tied to a name. I would think that the or only angel the only that Dean angel would bother, there. not only that, I think it would be oh, the only yeah. angel that Dean would bother searching for. Unless it's, you know, to kill him again or something. <laughs> you know, just all, he's just hunting monsters down there. So I don't know. It's just a thought. He's probably kidding. I'm talking about. I thought it was really cool that that first vampire that Dean killed, you know, he was wearing, like, basically 1700s clothes, you know. Yeah, and the yeah. clothing was neat. I like that. And then Benny's clothes, you know, they're old-fashioned, too. And so even when, he back, when he's back on on Earth, he still maintains that, that, that style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He looks like a merchant marine in that peacoat and cap. He looked like a seaman of some kind, like a like on a tanker or merchant yeah. marine or something like that to me. I was confused there at the end when we see him talking on the phone to Dean at the funeral. And he's talking yeah. about choices and everything. I was going to ask was, you guys that. What's going on? Was the, yeah, was the person that they're burying, like had he killed it? You know, had he killed that person? Or was he basically going to kill the funeral party? You know, was that going to be lunch mm-hmm. for the day? You know, uh, I was really confused there. Yeah, I, I I was lost too. But maybe we're supposed to be confused right now. True. You true. know, <laughs> maybe, we'll find, maybe we'll find out uh, later, like, what's going on. Why is the fun- funeral... I'm interested to see what that. I'm also curious to know if the writers are writing what Dean says to Benny for that double entendre intention. Is it a tongue-in-cheek at fandom, or was they just like, no, I wrote words and you're reading it wrong? Um, you know, I'm really sorry. What what? What are you talking about? I, I when Dean says, you know, what we did down there, I don't regret it. It's a very, um, it's interesting wording, mm-hmm. especially when there's such a strong pull for Dean to be always linked to certain other characters. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering so if you're the writers are purposely they... creating, if they're purposely creating that conflict and that connection, or was it just, mm-hmm. you know, happenstance writing? Are you I'm saying curious. we should start calling them Denny or Bean? <laughs> well, no, because that makes me feel like I want to have breakfast. <laughs> and well, this is never this is never could. a show. This is yeah, this is never a show that I've personally watched for mm-hmm. canon or fanon romantic relationships. So it's mm-hmm. just not it's just not the way I, wa- I watch this particular show. Um, mm-hmm. But some people do. Mhm. And so I'm curious oh. if that was like a wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> or not. Could happen. Yeah. Could be. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm sure if 
if anyone wants to see it that way. Because they did play <laughs> a lot with the double entendres with Dean and Castiel. They did mm-hmm. play with that a lot. And I'm wondering yes, they if they're going to do it again. Yeah. I do I like know. the idea, though, that the reality is, is that Dean makes friends better than Sam does, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're not human friends, but Dean actually plays well, plays better with others than Sam does. Mm-hmm. And I, I do, I do like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think you know one one thing I really loved about this episode was how it's really setting up for the, the season, and mm-hmm. I think the whole. PTSD, Dean, um, and then the way Helen and Benny, like you said, are really brothers in arms, you know, they what they went through. I've, and, you know, that's going to be something that he has with Benny that he, even though he, he and Sam have fought a lot, it's not anything like what they went through in Purgatory. And, how, you know, so he's going to have that with, with Benny that he can't share with Sam. And it's just, you know, and like you were talking about, Dean standing in front of the vending machine. So, and mm-hmm. I just think it's just setting up such a good storyline. And I'm mm-hmm. really interested to see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And interesting Dean sitting on the floor, too. You know, like, yeah, I, like yeah. that, I like that blocking a lot. I really did. Yeah. It reminded like, me a lot of um, when Tom Hanks' castaway when he got saved from the gun and he was in the motel room. He slept in the floor and not on the bed because that was what he was to, and, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me of that. Well, mm-hmm. and I like that that Dean kind of has problems. He doesn't want to be in the hotel room. He doesn't want to be in. Yeah. It felt like he, he just couldn't handle, like, shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he he needed to be out there doing something. He needed to be out there fighting and yeah. finding Yeah, I'm sure he was used to being on the move constantly because if he stopped in purgatory, something could find him. And and, mm-hmm. and hurt him, so he was probably constantly on the move. Um, I I have no idea if they intended it, but I thought being just striding down the road in probably Louisiana was a nice callback to um, uh, right, yeah, Lazarus know, Lazarus uh-huh. Rising, and him too. walking to the store. I thought it was pretty cool, and. Um, like I said, I got a kick to have seeing the blood phone again, and poor Kevin, his girlfriend. <laughs> my, my, I think the best yeah. line the whole night was Kevin when he was talking to Channing, when um, it was actually her and not the demon <laughs> talking, and he told her, there's a you're demon inside you, and you're going to your safety school. Safety school. <laughs> I love that. That was really good. <laughs> but it's <but> Okay. <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, going to your safety school is every bit as bad as being possessed by demons. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> okay. Can, you know, sorry, but can somebody explain the Sasha Gray reference to me? Oh, I'm not a sure what they're star. talking about. She's a porn star. She's an actual porn star. I'm not sure what it says, but you guys knew that and I didn't. (laughs) She's an actual point. I I Googled. It was a big deal. I Googled Googled her. (laughs) Oh, no, it was a a big deal. What? When she went went legit, it was a big deal. There was a lot of uh, articles about it. 
Oh, okay. So you know what? I do not remember at all. Now, if he said Tracy Lords, I would have gotten it, but not the... Yeah. Not She's basically the Tracy Lords of this of this generation. Ah. But like okay. even even more so because she's she's gotten to do like really um like she didn't just go mainstream, she went like fully legit, like really good actress with really meaty roles kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. Good for and, her. Um, and she's super pretty. She is really pretty. I don't know I actually don't know what she looks like naked. But <laughs> facially facially she's very pretty. <laughs> I'm well, sure if you Google I'm sure if you Google long enough. But um, I'm, I personally I'm didn't. sure if you Googled her, it'd be really easy. <laughs> yeah. Know. But, um, yes. Oh, gosh. So I did think that was a really funny line, a very, um, very current. Yeah, but that's, the reason, that's one of the reasons I asked about, is it 2014 to them? Mm. Because it's a current reference as far as, well, not really, because she went legit a few years ago, so... Mm-hmm. I guess it's current would be um relative. Mhm. Uh, that is funny. Yeah, I like how they how, keep I current. Would, I would like to know how old Sam Dean are now. You know, because if there wasn't them going skipping years, you know, we would know how old they are. But you know, they've skipped years, and so. How old would this? That's right. You know, we know because I said twenty nine and thirty three, but then wouldn't they be thirty one and thirty five? If yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can't, if you skip the years, yep. Mhm. Well, I don't know. That sounds to me, talking to Jim, that they play a little bit fast and loose with the time. Yeah. Time yeah. <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> it's a TV show. I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, it doesn't bother me. Well, you know, like I said, One Tree Hill did a four-year jump and then expected it to still be... They jumped mm-hmm. four years, and but everything was still the same. So, so you, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you stop yeah, watching okay. after after about half a season. You stop going, but, but it's but Okay. Well, you know, there's... I mean, in... in Real life, I mean, yes, sometimes there are dramatic or traumatic events in people's lives, but for the most part, most people are probably basically the same as they were a year ago. So a year jump isn't that big a deal most of the time. I mean, and I think as long as they stay away from really defining, like if they say right now, well, you know, Obama's president, okay, that really sets it being 2012, you know, or just any kind of reference like that. And I guess they would have to be careful putting dates in newspapers. Like, mm-hmm. I would just avoid it altogether, putting a date. But we know from past seasons that newspaper clippings do have dates. The production department, the art department does put a date on them. Mm-hmm. And Dean, so, Dean, loves, Dean loves to use his pop culture references. Mm-hmm. That's true as well. Hence, Sasha Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was one of the funniest scenes ever was Kevin was so smart. He he did the spell and got rid of the demons and sent Crowley to a field with goats. <laughs> I was super proud of, of proud of Kevin for that. Like, that's, yes. And that's, 
I like that they remembered that Kevin's smart. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, and I loved his message to Sam. And if you're still alive, fight <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just great. <laughs> I, I, I love I, I miss his long hair. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I like that they brought you know had Crowley you know act like they had you know taken him to get a haircut and a mani pedi and everything before they brought him back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like that he outsmarted Crowley. Crowley's not going to be too happy about it, of course. The next time. I love so. how how he booby trapped the church. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. So I like that because you know, I like that they have. Kevin doing kind of more of an intellectual kind of hunting because obviously Kevin's not a a big guy. He's not, and he's not trained. This is not how he lived his life. So he can't mm-hmm. rely on brute brute strength the way Sam and Dean often do, or you know, strategy and a military father. He didn't have those things. So I like that he's depending on his own form of strategy. Mm-hmm. Like with the big fight with Spanky the Demon, um, Sam and Dean, you know, have, it was, you know, Kevin had holy water, you know, that he squeezed on him. Instead of fighting, you know, he just used holy water on him. Mm-hmm. Or I like that he's got the super soaker full of holy water. I I, I, I like details like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I that do. was the thing mm-hmm. for Buffy. Remember all the fans are always wondering, why doesn't yeah, Buffy? Yeah, like, why not? <laughs> yeah, just have super soakers with holy water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, speaking of like brute strength and stuff, I found it interesting how easily in Purgatory Dean overpowered the vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, see, that I expected from Purgatory and seeing him, like you just said, easily overpower the vampires on it. I expected him to just be able to kick ass with those demons in the church super easy. But he still needed Sam, you know, to mm-hmm. throw in the knife. I thought that was interesting. I figured he would just be like, you know, Chuck Norris Isn't or something it? there with him. And he still needed help. I thought that was interesting. I, I mean, I, I liked it. But, I, you know, the minute that Dean has him and tells him, you know, calm down. Mm-hmm. And the vampire does. Yeah, it does. Very, very interesting. But, of course, you know, purgatory doesn't work like here, so maybe mm-hmm. Dean was surprised that he didn't have that extra strength or, or whatever the difference was. So, hmm. Very curious. Yeah. So I, I, I really like the way the season has started and all the possibilities and where it's going. And we got some answers, but there's a bunch more questions. And they got some really strong characters, new characters, like Benny and, uh, well, Kevin's not really new, but sort of new. We've only seen him in a couple of episodes, so he's definitely new. And Amelia. Hmm? And I have been telling Becky for weeks, like, I'm not excited. I'm not excited. Like, Usually there's this, this feeling of, you know, my favorite show mm-hmm. is coming back. And I mm-hmm. just was not excited, and now I'm back to, okay, I'm excited again. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, it was over, and I was like, wait, no, quick, I need another episode. Yeah, and I uh, 
I, I know I was a little bit the same. I mean, I was looking forward to it, and I thought the way last season ended had a million possibilities with purgatory, and I was just going to ask my how my expectations were going to be. I mean, I was really hopeful because I Jeremy Carver is responsible for so many wonderful episodes, but you just don't know until you see it. And then that episode happened, and I was like, "Holy cow! You know, this is going to be great." I'm I'm excited and I can't wait for the next episode and and everything. So yeah, definitely. But um, and I'm 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 really interested to get more flashbacks of Sam's year. When Jared talked about it at Comic Con, he didn't seem he seemed very confident in the choices the writer made the writers made, and he he just kept saying, you know, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go because. You know, nobody really knows Sam Winchester or Dean Winchester the way Jared and Jensen do. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we watch it, they spend every day with with these mm-hmm. characters. So, yep. but definitely benefits yeah. out and definitely trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, and and part of me wonders, you know, is everybody planning a whole about old snowman movie again? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Is Jim Beaver going to just pop out of nowhere or something like that? You know, it's like, is it just going to happen? Are we going to get, like, something out of, totally out of left field? But we're like, oh, my God, they did it. You know, they did it. They they, they snuck something in, you know. So that, that could be. But anyway, I'm excited to find out. Definitely, for sure. Um, next week's episode looks pretty cool, too. Uh, yeah, I, it's so I like cool the, the CW teaser. That was a that was a good one. Mm-hmm. I like seeing so, Lauren Tom again. Um, I love her as Julie on Friends, and so it's great seeing her on Supernatural. Mhm. Yep. Very cool. I I I hope she survives. <laughs> 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 Don't say that. It sounds like a jinx. <laughs> I know. Like oh. I can hear you. <laughs> I know. Um, the I'm and you know Castiel. The whole story with the thing with Castiel. I really want to find out what happened to him in Purgatory too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can tell that Dean isn't telling everything. He goes, "I didn't tell. I didn't see. Uh, I saw enough." Well, oh yeah, he definitely hedged. That. He definitely vanished. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole lot more there than than we know about just yet. So I'm very curious to find out, you know, what happened to the angel. <laughs> <laughs> Want to know where the angel is? Yep. Yep. So <laughs> having a Doctor Who moment, the angels have the police box. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Vinny hasn't seen this season finale yet of Doctor Who, so don't let her don't spoil yes. it. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm super behind on on Doctor Who. I'm last mm-hmm. two episodes of last season and none of this season behind. So, oh, well, it's it's good. I, I won't say any more. And, and we're talking about that. angels. Uh, you know, they've had those often enough. Right? Could be talking about anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, Blink is the episode that got me into Doctor Who, so. Yeah. Very scary. Um, 
very, no. very one of my favorites. I I haven't had time to watch Doctor Who. I fell into a Big Bang Theory hole. And <laughs> as Becky as Becky can attest, it's pretty much all I talk about. <laughs> I I love Big Bang Theory. I love Big Bang Theory. I've seen the first like two seasons probably eight times, just over and over and over and over again. I just love them. Yeah, I watched I'm season very one through them. five, and then immediately rewatched season one through five. So <laughs> I have no shame. Yeah, it's funny. I'm behind. I only watched them on DVD, so I'm behind. Unfortunately, uh, no. I um, we won't talk about how I watched it. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I love that show. And I I actually still need to get season seven of Supernatural on DVD. I haven't even bought it yet. I know terrible, terrible fangirl, but I just don't own it yet. <laughs> I was surprised they didn't do anything special this time because like there's usually something Me you know because usually you or... have to either have to collect them all from all the stores or decide which store you're going to get it from to get whatever trinket you want. Right. right. Um. And I was surprised they didn't do anything this year. I was surprised and disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, maybe next time. Because I, I do, I do love my Impala keychain very much. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I like this. Jim Michaels just tweeted to us and says he's thinking we should do a show with the Tequila Amigos guy and Russ Movie God, and we'll drink tequila and chat. I Ooh. love this idea. <laughs> I approve. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't drink tequila, but I will bring my whiskey. <laughs> so. Well, I live in a dry town, so I'll have to drive somewhere to get it. But I totally would. <laughs> can you get? Can you get cooking wine? <laughs> can you get cooking wine? Cooking sherry. <laughs> yeah, um, I live on the. I live on the border of Mexico, so if I never see tequila again. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Bad times. Oh my god, that's really frightening. Really frightening. Guy, <laughs> Russ, and Jim. Holy cow. That would be hilarious. I'm 100% in support of that. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of those where we'll say, okay, guys, we're live, and then just sit back. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be so, I think it would be the most fun podcast ever. Yeah, it would be like, here are our guests and, and guest hosts all in one. <laughs> but yeah, I I think we could. I oh. think we. Did you see guys' response? I'll bring the uh, lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> they are too funny. Um, I, I super duper approve. Yep. I, I he's like, and he's telling us, oh, you should get Phil Sagrisha on Bob Singer. Like, we love to. If someone would just ask them, you know, any any cast and crew that yeah, any cast and crew that might be on the off chance listening, you have an open invitation. Yes. Yes. And the actor involved in Supernatural. Yes. Yeah. Oh, love to talk to you. You know, we've talked to so many fun, fun people. Yeah. Oh, it's always, uh, it's always so much fun to get the, the insider, 
insider, mm-hmm. even when there's not really scoop, still fun. Mm-hmm. And, like, tonight we got a whole different perspective on finding out that Sam had no idea Dean was back from purgatory and at the cabin. Right? Because I was really going, I don't understand. Yeah, I I yeah. thought he'd been contacted. He'd finally gotten through, and and I wasn't surprised at all that Dean threw him to the ground and did all the tests on him, you know. Yeah, then it, it made more sense. Because I was like, we well, called him, sense. but then he... He's still like, okay, I, I get that he's – then then it kind of adds a new level to how trusting Sam was that it was Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I know it's you. Like, well, because, you know, no, you don't. <laughs> he's been gone for a year, and you're like, yeah, it's you. Uh, like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, now, now that adds a whole level to that that I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, anything else about this episode? Start wrapping it up a little bit. I I think I got all my feelings out. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> anytime, anytime. We're here for we're here for we're here for you. <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> Becky, is there any like Winchester Bros business? Like, do you want to mention anything about Team Levi auction? Um, the team, we, um, the auction to find are finished, but we did get one more item in the mail today that was donated to us that we'll be auctioning this week. Um, and we'll probably have another raised, round of auctions at the end of this month. And we've raised um, about six thousand dollars so far for Team Levi. Uh, we're waiting for the um, auction winners to let us know that they received their items before we donate the money. Um, but, you know, once we do, there's going to be a big, huge raise on the Team Levi total. So be watching for that. Very cool. Very cool. And there's a convention going on this weekend in Toronto. And in mm-hmm. three weeks is Chicago. And I will be there. So. I will do my best to tweet. Yes. And yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, if you if you succumb to the ever popular uh, lack of Wi-Fi in a hotel, that seems to always hit. You understand? Remind, <laughs> rem, Susan, remind me to give you the Winchester Bros Twitter passwords. You can just tweet with our Twitter account. Yep. Oh. Okay. That's all. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's fine. It doesn't doesn't bother me. When you, should last still have it. It has, you should still have that password. It hasn't changed in like three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, we're very honestly, I'm not I'm not sure I ever had it. <laughs> or if I did I just one you did. Because with mine and Becky's uh memory, we know better than to change a password too often. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We don't have the best memories. Uh huh. This is true. Well, there's. Becky told me a password for something the other day, and I was like, uh, I, it had been changed. I had. I had no idea. Um, I'm not as involved in the day-to-day website things, so I don't. Uh, don't get with that. Forty-five but, seconds. Uh, what? Forty-three seconds. Forty seconds. I didn't hear you. <laughs> I didn't oh, hear 40 you. Just 40 seconds. seconds. 40 seconds. 
left in the podcast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, then, in that case, good night, everyone. Thank you, for, thank you all for listening. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Thanks again to Jim Michaels for being a great guest tonight. We enjoyed it very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, don't forget, just winchesterbros.com. Uh, hit the Winchester Radio logo. Sorry. We're off the air. Well, it's on there, but we're still on the stream. So if you're still listening, you can go to our site, click on the logo and find us. You can download it through iTunes, check our Facebook and Twitter, Winchester Bros. And um, I guess we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Welcome back. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.